Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the seventh edition of the Big Footy Bombers podcast for season 2021. I'm fairly certain it's the seventh, but I may have lost track of the numbers. Our guest this evening will start with a return performer, and that is Jamie. How are you this evening, mate? I'm fantastic. Thanks, Bonds. How are you doing? I can't complain on this lovely long weekend Monday. It's been a it's been a lovely long weekend for me. And we are tonight joined by I think I described him last time as your offsider or maybe your apprentice, and that is Darrow. How are you, mate? I'm uh, I'm fantastic, thanks. <laughs> I think you managed to introduce him and insult us both at the same time from memory. That's uh, that's pretty impressive, Bonsa. Thanks very much for that, mate. I'm not too sure that calling him your apprentice is uh, insulting you, is it, Jamie? No, I think there was something else actually. But look, we'll, we'll, we'll everyone. If you haven't, if you're starting at this episode, I implore you to go back and listen from episode one because it really is a ripper series. It does really sound like the old, um, yeah. If you come in halfway through, make sure you go back to episode one so you don't miss anything. Obviously, you will have missed tons because we want everybody to go back and listen to the very first episode. And it, but. Obviously, this weekend, Essendon did not have a game. We actually managed to have the bye this week. So we're not going to review what we've seen on the weekend because there was nothing to see. What we are going to quickly go through is a quick review of the season that we've seen so far. So, Jamo, I'll come to you. We'll start in the back end of the field. We'll start in defence. How do you think that the defence has shaped up this year? For me, I thought it was probably going to be our weak point, especially when I saw that Ambrose, Hurley and Hooker were all training with the forwards in the preseason. Obviously... Only we have seen Ambrose, but he only played forward. We've seen Hooker; he played forward, and Hurley's been been sick. But despite the fact that we've been seemingly inexperienced, I think our defence has held up fairly strongly throughout the season. Oh, look! I think I agree. I think it's been amazing. I, I consider that we lost, you know, Sard Hooker's going forward, who's been fantastic. Hurley's been out. On paper, we look pretty ordinary. We we, we essentially had a first gamer coming in to hold it down uh, in Laverde, and he's been an absolute revelation. So I think we've done amazingly well in our defense considering, you know, who we had lost and, you know, who who was coming in. And I think the fact that we've only seen Zerk Thatcher, I think, once or twice, um, two full games this year, just goes to show how well we've been doing in the back line. Yeah. So so Darrow, were you were you surprised that Zerk Thatcher's only had the two games so far? I am actually. Um although when you look at it uh, and you look at the fact that we've moved Hooker forward and the other big fella's been out injured a bit and Hurley uh, has been out injured. Yeah, we've done pretty well. I think um, I think Laverde has done pretty well. Well, Laverde, I don't know how. How do you say? Is it Laverde or Laverde? Um, I... Look, I, I, was brought, I was born in Adelaide, so I'd say Laverde. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he has... I mean, I thought his career was over at the end of the year last year and he has done so well to resurrect his career and he is a really, really good defender. So it's good to see and I think Nick Hind, you know, running around. So, yeah, they've, they've definitely played above my expectations and, and yeah, I'm... I thought Zerk Thatcher, you know, would probably be playing and I didn't really have a lot of time for him either. But, uh, yeah, it's good. It's good that we're managing to keep him out, I think. I think I'm on record of not rating Nick Hind at the start of the season. And the fact that he's come in and pretty much a, a like-for-like replacement for Saad is, blows my mind. I think it's been an, an amazing, an amazing pickup. Look, I'll be honest, I think your opinion on Nick Hind at the start of the season probably underlines just how sound of judge you are. Uh, when it comes to football. 
But I will just quickly point out, Zach Thatcher's actually played four games. And I'm with you. I thought he'd only played a couple. But he, he played against St Kilda, Sydney, Collingwood and West Coast. So we're actually uh, three and one when he plays. So, so maybe he should be getting more of a run. Well, I've always been on record as rating him a lot. You know, if you were to rewind, you know, about five minutes, I was I was on record as saying he's probably one of our, you know, top six defenders. And he should be playing more, I think is what I said. And I'm shocked that he's only played two games. I think um, that's the thing. If they're settled and they're playing well, he's he's going to struggle to get a get a game. It's, it's only going to be injury that's going to seem introduced into that side, I think. Yeah, well, I think uh, it was ETH on the board the other day was saying that he thought that Zerk Thatcher should be in alongside Laverde, Francis and Stewart. But I, I, I don't really see how that fits. I think that's far too top heavy. And Stewart is the other one that's obviously come on in leaps and bounds. I mean, he's probably still second or third best forward at the club, and uh, but he's also probably near the second or third best full back we have at the club. So mm. he's definitely become a very versatile player for us, which is, which is probably something nobody predicted um, in the preseason. Well, I'd, yeah, I, wouldn't, I don't want to you know, have a guess, but I would have thought he's played about the same number of games as Dirk Thatcher then. Only three or four in the back line, and he's holding it down pretty well. I'm sure you've got the stats to back that up, Bonds. I think he's got a bit of improvement in him too. He's not quite there, Stuart, but he's he's a little bit better athletically than Zerk Thatcher. I think Zerk Thatcher might just be a little bit too slow, and he may be exposed at times because of that. You're right, Jamu. He has played six games, but he's actually three, three and three. So maybe, uh, so he has played a little bit more, but he has been involved in a couple more losses. I I do think that Zerk Thatcher gets a little bit of a bum steer on our on our board. Um, clearly, he's our talisman with our three three and one. But I think um, I think if he was to be forced, even if he's be, to be forced to play like four or five games in a row, and I don't, I, I can't recall four games he's played. I'm sure some of those must have been on the sub because I, I, I can't recall him getting a, a fair run of four games. But if he did, I reckon he'd prove a lot of haters wrong. I reckon he's got something. The other bloke that obviously that's gone into the back line this year that's that's been a, a real talisman for us has been has been Heppel. I mean, we all saw it in his rookie years. Playing off that half-back line, he was always a good player, and then he moved into the midfield. But but he has gone back to that half-back role, that, that Luke Hodge role that I think I described in an earlier edition of the podcast. And, and he's definitely thrived again. He, he's definitely just that, that calm cool head who never seems to be rushed playing in that playing in the last line or you know whenever the ball's coming in i think that's a good call bonce he um he's got a very level head he's really good when the ball's but beneath his knees as well but yeah look the luke hodge role is a really good way of describing it yeah the drunk driving spokesman for light and easy role every te- every team needs one of those oh that too <laughs> But I, I again, I, I probably wrote him off. So Bonds, I'm, pro- I'm probably two from two so far with calling players. But yeah, I, I thought he was cooked. I thought he's he was done, and he'd just be getting a couple of games because he's the captain. But he's been he's been great in the in the back line. As, as much as I hate the terminology in Aussie rules of of the quarterback, he, he really does kind of play that role for us. And I, he's been he's been great this year as well. And I think I, I don't think he'd he'd make it in our midfield anymore but i think as as the you know the general in the back line he's you know probably been what we need needed there you know since the pretzel chucker left so Darrow, jamu did did touch on him before and said that you know he was on record for not rating nick hind and look i i hoped he'd come on but how do you think st kilda are feeling at the moment seeing what he's doing for us uh especially considering they're paying brad hill eight hundred thousand dollars to essentially play the same role and he's doing it much poorer than nick hind at the moment 
Oh, look, I, I don't think anyone could have um, seen him having such an impact. I don't know. I, I didn't mind him when he was Essen, and I was a little bit disappointed that we let him go to St Kilda because I saw him play some good footy in the VFL. Um, I think I remember him kicking a few goals a few times as well. But, yeah, I don't think – I mean, he's been – pound for pound, he's been just as good as Saad this year, I reckon, across at Carlton. Um, and he's – he's pretty much slotted in and, and had the same impact. So, yeah, you'd be bleeding if you're a St Kilda fan, I reckon. Yeah, I think so. But I, I don't want to get all F dog here, but I, I don't think we let him go from Essendon. Didn't we have a later pick than St Kilda? So we, we, we couldn't pick him up? I can't remember, Rain Man. I'm not so good on the, the draft. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're right, but I'd much rather prefer to go with the we let him go theory because it sounds better that we welcomed him back. Well, he clearly he clearly didn't have any problems with coming back, so there's no bad bad blood there. So, so Jamie, the other two that we haven't touched on, and we'll touch on them before we move move on, is is Mason Redmond and Aaron Francis. Now, they've both also been outstanding this year, and I think a large part of it comes down to the fact that they've actually managed to get some uh, some games into their into their bodies, as opposed to playing two or three here, breaking down, playing one here, breaking down. Francis has, has actually managed to play 10 of the 12 this year, whilst Redmond has played 11 of the 12. So I think that continuous time on the field is, is really starting to, to reap the benefits for us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the fact that they're playing together, it, specifically those two that you've mentioned, but also the whole back line. But yeah, I think, um, I, I think Francis has never reached his potential, let's say, until probably the last couple of years. I think last year was a bit of a write-off, but he always had glimpses. But this year, he's also got like a little bit of campaigner about him, and he just is like pushing and shoving and talking back to the umpires. Not in a bad way, Bonds. I know, you know, you're an umpire fan, as we all are, but I I just think he's got like a little bit of a sense that he knows he belongs and he's not going to... you know, take shit from people anymore, which I think was was lacking. He was a, I don't going to say precious, but he was just a little bit probably unsure of his spot in the team potentially, and and his um, you know, belonging in the AFL as well. And I think he's got that now. How good is Redmond? He's uh, he's turned it around this year. I think he's a really rock solid player. I think, as you said, Bonts, um, I think we're pretty solid down there. I mean, there's a bit of improvement to come, but with there's some genuine talent. With, with guys like, like Redmond and Francis, and hopefully a little bit more improvement as well. So, yeah, hopefully exciting times to come. So, Darrow, we'll turn to the engine room now, and we'll go to the, the big three, which is, of course, McGrath, Merritt, and Parrish. Uh, some people might argue on McGrath, but he still had 25 touches this year, which is pretty impressive for a bloke of his age. But we will just quickly go, Darcy Parrish, did you predict this happening? I've had everybody on so far saying, no, they didn't predict it. So, come on, tell us that you predicted it and saw it coming. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, hundred <laughs> percent. No, look, I I always thought he had talent, uh, and I've always rated him, but not to, you know, he's he's playing elite level footy at the moment. I mean, I don't know, you know how they have a hummingbird, um, and you have to slow down the film so that you can see how fast the wings are flapping on it. I reckon you'd have to do that to see how fast his arms are moving when he's handballing it. He his hands are that quick. His work rate is amazing. He's a fantastic footballer, and and yeah, he's I guess he's yeah definitely exceeded my expectations. And it's a shame for Merritt because Merritt's having a really good year as well, um, but um, he's probably a little bit behind Parish at the moment in terms of uh, impact. Oh, that's interesting that you think that Merritt's a spud. I think that Merritt's a great footballer personally, but I also do agree with you in all seriousness that that Parish has been. Amazing, and for what a 180 centimeter, 80 k guy, 
he's the inside bull that we always didn't realise we needed on the outside. It's great. And I think another strength of our midfield this year, apart from having the, the three main guys rotate through there, is, is someone like Kyle Langford has really stepped up. Will Snelling is another one that's also gone through there at times. They're all sort of playing their roles. The role players are doing their thing. And they, and the top of the top, I suppose the top level players in our midfield aren't being expected to carry the load like they have in, in previous Essendon sides. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think Langford's one of the guys who, you know, might not be the starting midfielder in their in the centre bounces, but he can rotate through. He can play on that wing and be the link person, like the good old-fashioned sentiment that used to be, you know, when I was watching footy in the 90s. And, and he does it really, really well. I think he's um, a hugely valuable part of the midfield. Absolutely. No, no, he's, he's, uh, he's coming of age. He's always been pretty solid, I think, and, and probably uh, unfairly maligned at, at different stages. But He's becoming a very solid footballer and uh, he's probably not going to you know, win games off his own boot, but I think he's going to have a, a positive contribution <laughs> regularly. Nice work, John. <laughs> <laughs> the other player in the midfield that, that's obviously been a, a revelation for us, and it, I mean, it's only his first season, so I suppose revelations is probably overstating a little bit, but that is, of course, Nick Cox on the wing there. He, he has He hasn't blown a game apart though yet has he Jamie he's, he's still showing glimpses and still sort of learning the craft at, at AFL level I suppose is, is the way to put it yeah look I think um if, for the 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 height he is and the athleticism he has it, it's amazing like the the skill set he's got but he, yeah you're right he hasn't he hasn't blown something apart just yet and when he does and when he does it a couple of times in a row it will be a awesome sight to watch. And I don't think it's far away. I think he's, he's you know, he showed last week that, yeah, like a, a true full-on breakout performance is just around the corner. But what I really love about him, and Perkins has got it too, but Nick Cox, he just, he, he just does not care that he's only in his first year of AFL footy. It's it's ridiculous. Like, the, the not not it's not arrogance. It's just confidence that he has to be able to do the things he, he does and, you know, play amongst men as though he belongs is great. It's really, really cool to watch. Archie Perkins is obviously the other one that's, that's run through there. And, I mean, it took him until round three to get him into the game. Darryl, do you think maybe that was Truck's, one of Truck's only few mistakes this year is, is, is waiting until round three to debut Perkins? Well, I don't know. You, you need to push someone out to fit them in. I think Shield was still on the side at that point. You know, Parrish may have even been playing on the flank. I can't remember. Um, but, yeah, maybe even... Um... I'm just trying to think of of the of why he was out, but well, he, I mean you can't throw them all in at the start, can you? Really, you can't have too many inexperienced players, and I don't think you'd expect to to have them all playing from round one, would you? At the start of the year, and, and look, it'd be great if they're they're playing well enough to do it. But um, yeah, I, I'm not actually I'm not surprised, mate, to be honest, that it was a, a few weeks. But happy with what he's been able to do once he came in. Yeah, look, I think when you've got Harrison Jones in the mix as well, you can't really fault. Uh, Rutten for playing the 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 draft the young draftees. I think he's he's done amazingly well. It's probably not the episode to talk about the coaching, but you know I think um, they've they've done extraordinarily well in in back, being able to back the kids and and integrate all the draft picks into the team. Yeah, I was being a little facetious in saying that it was Rutten's mistake to not play him so early in the season. And you're right, uh, Sheil and Caldwell were both playing. It was it was the Port Adelaide game round two where they both went down. And I suppose the fact that our midfield has managed to survive without Sheil and Caldwell is, is something we can take pride in. 
it will be interesting to see how it goes without McGrath thrown in there. I mean, I think we get Smith back, but he's definitely not McGrath. Um, so hopefully Langford maybe gets a bit more time in the middle. They may be tempted to throw Heppel back in there, but I'd much rather keep him down back and not upset that mix. Yeah, that's a good call. I think I agree. I think he, I think if Langford can do a bit more in the middle, if you know maybe Stringer has to do a bit more heavy lifting as well, and yeah, we've got a few more that can rotate through. But uh, yeah, I, I agree. I don't know if we can throw Stringer in there because doesn't Dero have him uh, trade traded off for a third round pick already? <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey! We could probably get see if Josh Green's available in the midst of the draft. <laughs> Hey, I, look, I, I, I just made a comment uh, on a Saturday night that was taken out of context. You, know, you make one comment. And That's they're ruthless. Not... They're ruthless oh, on this board, Darren. <laughs> I mean, I'd had about 12 cans, I reckon, by that point. <laughs> uh, and Devin Smith's coming back soon, apparently. We can have a, get a couple of games out of him and then we'll, we, can, we can draft him off. I'm sure we could get a, a second rounder for him. Well, we could probably dra- get rid of Shield too now that um, Parrish is kicking on, couldn't we? Oh, yeah, well, there's yeah. quite a few suggesting that we should be doing the, that exact thing, and I think they forget that depth is a wonderful thing at AFL level. Oh, no, <laughs> Dylan Steele, trade low, trade high is my motto. All right, so so we will we will now turn to the forward line, and we have already mentioned Harrison Jones, so we'll start there Jonesy. with him, Dero. So we'll start there with him, Dero. Jamie, go away, because I know exactly <laughs> what your thoughts are on him, so we'll let Dero start with, with Harrison Jones. He's been a very, very impressive young player once he actually managed to learn how to kick straight. <laughs> he he can kick very straight. He's he's a really good kick for goal. I think his first first game was a bit of an anomaly. Yeah, um, but I tell you what, when he starts taking those marks, and he he's just he, uh, Joe Danaher was a bit like that too when he first started. He just was a little bit out, but once he starts marking them, I mean the way he runs his work rate, he kind of reminds me a bit of a. And this is probably a big, you know, a big statement, but he reminds me of a young Nick Ringwald the way he moves um, and plays. But, you know, probably probably doesn't mark it as well. But, geez, I'll tell you what, he's, he's going to be a good player, I think. I think he is a good player. And I think one of the things, the, the reason I say I think he is a good player is he may not have the, the stats on the board yet and he may not have the goals on the Coleman tally yet. But you, you watch it when we're fortunate enough to be able to actually watch games live. You see this guy running back and forward and back, and he just repeat leads, repeat leads, repeat efforts, and just he's clever about his forward craft as well, which we haven't had for the longest time. So he may not get the the stats, and he may not get the you know the the results on the scoreboard yet. But the way that he makes an effort and brings other people into the game to then hit the scoreboard is is amazing. He's 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 I I, I love him. I love him a lot. Yeah, I don't think I love him as much as you. Uh... Jamu, but I can definitely see a little bit of what you can see in him. He he runs, he works hard, doesn't he? And, and that's really good to see. I reckon if I was if I was playing AFL, I would drop everything to be campaign to be the captain of an AFLX team, just so that I could be in a situation where I could pick teams and I would pick him first for my AFLX team. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's a compliment or not. Well, that was just a roundabout way of saying that if I could pick a team, I'd put him on my first picked list. So why not, why not just say that? Why bring AFLX into it? I don't understand what you're doing here. I'm just trying to be a bit whimsical. <laughs> just bring the... <laughs> bring in the whimsy. Bring in the whimsy. Anyway, I reckon Harrison Jones is probably our best... Key, well, I won't say best keep forward, but he's close to it. 
let's do this. Let's revisit this next year. And I reckon he will be our most important forward. Our most important forward right now is Hooker. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, I reckon this time next year, it may well be Harrison Jones. And I'm glad you mentioned Hooker because he was the bloke I was going to mention next. <laughs> to be honest, he is kicking goals and he's currently leading our, our goal kicking from uh, from Tipper, who will also touch on. But I actually think people had forgotten what Kyle Hooker did back in 2017 when he when he came back off his off his uh, holiday. We'll call it a holiday. He kicked 40 yeah. goals that year, and he's on track to do it again. He's actually having his best year. Um, goals per game at the moment. The problem was in in 2018, 19, and 20. Even when he played, so he missed a few games in the in the especially in, in uh, 19 and 20. He played down back. He didn't really play for it. So I think everyone sort of forgot that he could clunk clunk the big mark in the goal square. You know, he could he could get out in the lead and, and find the space. But you know, we've just slowed him down there again this year out of necessity. And geez, he's just rolled straight back into it, hasn't he, Darrow? Yeah, I love him. Always have loved him. I love him a bit like. Um, Jamie loves Jones. I've, he he he's just got a great set of hands, and you can see he just loves he he loves to kick goals. He loves to play well. Loves it when the team's going well. And yeah, I, it's really good to see. You know, after last year, he had such a you know such a uh, injury interrupted season, and for him to come back and and have such an impact. I don't know where he is on the the table for the Coleman, but he must be up there. And you know, he's doing really well. So I'm I'm loving it. And and I don't know, has he got another year in him, do you reckon, boys? Yeah, I do. I reckon, it, let's be honest, he's not doing a lot athletically. So, yeah, he could do it again next year. Because what he does, he does amazingly well. And if, if, you know, if he's going to be the guy who takes, you know, the opposition's key defender and just gives it a crack and five times out of ten he takes a mark and then, you know, Couple of times out of ten, he kicks the goal. That's that's what we need, just to to let everyone else develop. I reckon one more year for sure. Yeah, I don't see any reason why he can't do what he's doing now next year. Because as you just said, Jamie, he's not exactly the the most athletic player getting around at the moment. He's definitely lost that yard of pace, which is probably why people such as myself thought he was done as a footballer if they kept him in the back line because he just can't keep up. I don't think he can keep up with with forwards anymore. But but it's a bit different when you have to lose someone. You, 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 it's easier to lose someone than to try and stay with them. And he's, he's currently sixth in the Coleman medal, tied with Jack Darling on 29 goals. I don't like his chances of winning it, but, you know, if he kicks 12 against Hawthorne next week down in Tassie, I believe, then, well, you know, he's always a chance of winning it. Yeah, I reckon 12 against Hawthorne should be should be very much gettable. Um, so the other player, obviously, that's, that's done exceptionally well for us in the forward line this year has been Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody. Now, I'll put my hand up and say Anzac Day, I gave him an absolute spray for his first efforts against Quaynor uh, in that game. The effort he put in chasing Quaynor in about the first two minutes of the game was rather poor. And um, I think if, if Loons is listening to this, he'll agree with me because I think he said the same thing to, to me at the, at the exact same time. But since then, he has just been unbelievable. I mean, he was already having a good year, but he's gone, seems to have gone to the next, to the next level um, after the Anzac Day game. And he's definitely, for me, having a career best season. Spot on, spot on. He just does things that other people can't do. And, and I think you're right. I think he was a little bit average at the start of that game against Collingwood. But a lot of that, that pressure in our, our forward 50 is down to him. We don't really have a lot of players that can 
that can do that. So he does both. He does does what he needs to do offensively. He punches above his weight defensively as well. We could we could do with another little def, little forward like him. I think. It's interesting you mentioned the pressure because one one other bloke I was going to mention um, is of course Will Snelly. Now, I'm pretty sure he actually led the Bombers for tackles inside forward fifty, and, and I think that was definitely something that we lacked against Richmond. Now, obviously, he him missing was not the reason we lost the game, but we did miss that pressure that he brought to the side. So, so I think that uh, him being able to be that more defensive-minded forward has allowed Tip and Woody to actually become more offensive and, and probably play a little bit looser, which has led to a few more goals. Yeah, I think he's, um, what he does is amazing. But the only, my only concern with Tipper is, and we're talking about can Hooker go on, I don't know how much longer that Tipper can play the way he does. I think he's he's older than everyone thinks he is because he started late. And I reckon we're only going to be lucky enough to have him in the team for probably you know, maybe two or three more years. I hope I'm wrong, but I just I just get a feeling that he's you know reached his his ceiling and he'll he'll drop off quicker than than most. Let's hope those Davy boys are as good as people think they're going to be, and he can pass the baton. Yeah. Well, if you're if you're riding Tipper off at 28 years old, does that mean you've already got one foot in the grave? Oh, mate, I peaked a long, long, long time ago. No, I just I just I just think the, the just the way he plays, and I think the 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 fact that he started a little bit late. I've, I've always thought that. You know, we're, we're probably seeing the last year or two of him. And I've thought that way for the last three or four or five years. And he's, you know, keep on going, obviously. But, yeah, more than any other player, I just reckon we're seeing the end of him earlier, prematurely. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Um, I'm, you know, I, I regret bringing it up at all. But this is just the way, I, the way I feel when I see Tipper playing. I think, oh, this is great, but we've only got a couple of years left of this. I don't know about you, Darrow, but Jamie riding off the rest of, the rest of Tip and Woody's career seems like the perfect place to stop the podcast this evening, just so it's the last message that everybody remembers. Um, but I will just be a little bit nice and I'll say to Jamie, okay, so you've seen the first 12 games this year. I'll get you to give us who, who's going to win the best and fairest, where are we going to finish on the ladder, and any player do you think do you, do you think will leave out of the big three in Stringer? Parish and Merritt. And once you've done that, Daryl, I'll get you to answer the same questions. Oh, thank you. Because I think, I think I can wisely come back to this with a slam dunk by saying Parish will be the best and fairest. Runner-up, Zach Merritt. And I think we'll finish just outside of the finals, probably 10th or 11th, which will, which will probably be a good thing for the team and, and for everything. But I think we'll have a very, very good attitude going into next year. And I don't think we'll. I think we'll, we'll win more than we lose in the back end of the season. I just don't think we'll be able to. We'll make finals, and that's not bad because I think we won't lose anybody. And I think um, we'll we'll be really, really well placed next year. So uh, I'm very optimistic for the back end of this year and next. I couldn't have said it better myself, Jamie. I reckon you're spot on there. And it'll be good. And we'll go into next year with positive thoughts, which is good because it wasn't looking so so good at the start of this year. So, yeah, it'll be good. What about you, Bonsa? You want to put yourself on the line? Look, I, I actually, and I also do agree with you, boys. I think that we'll probably finish just outside the eight. I think that Parrish will win the best and fairest, although I wouldn't be surprised if Merritt did win because he has been just as good this year. But that will do us this evening, gentlemen. So thank you very much for coming on. Absolute pleasure, anytime. Absolutely. 
Thanks, Bonds. Now, we do have uh, Hawthorne this coming week. Uh, down in Tasmania, the game has been officially moved, so that'll be a, a novel experience for many of us because I'm not too sure how many of us actually remember the last time we played down there. It was Fitzroy at North Hobart Oval in 1992. Um, I think <laughs> I think you'll have to go a bit further back to find the last time we played at Launceston. <laughs> I don't think we've ever played there before, so it'll be an interesting game and... and and it'll be an interesting wrap-up. So once again, thank you all for, for joining us, and we'll speak to you again next week.